Welcome to Fountain Springs Online. At Fountain Springs, we believe in showing unconditional love, irrational generosity, and being unwavering in our mission to show people who Jesus is. We are one church in multiple locations that exists to help grow and guide your relationship with Jesus. We are so glad you've joined us today, and we hope that we can encourage, challenge, and support you in your walk with Jesus. Feel free to join us this coming weekend at any of our locations and services, or call or email us so we can help you in any way. We are so glad that you've joined us today at Fountain Springs Online. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message. Yeah. And it'd be great live. It's one of those songs where it's like, you write it for live use. I Stand on the rooftop it. screaming your heart out. Like, Angst, angsty teenager in their car. Oh, It's not a phase. No one understands me. It's who I am. Uh, I would say the weirdest state law in Rhode Island is um, you can't ride your horse backward through the square on a Sunday. And the correct answer is... Whoa, that actually, maybe I read that sometime and that was in my head because it's about horses. Did you cheat on this? I don't know. It's, it's illegal to race horses on the highway. Okay. All right. I'm wondering at what point in time was it, did they have highways and horses that were both riding somewhere? Wyoming. Wyoming. Neighbors okay. to the west. Forever west. Now, you would have thought the horse was about Wyoming, probably. Probably. I assume it's, it's illegal to use a firearm to fish. Well. Only if you don't get caught. Well, right? if you, yeah. 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 Arkansas. Arkansas. So the weirdest state law in Arkansas. That's illegal to pronounce it. Arkansas. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> It's illegal to honk a car horn at a sandwich shop after 9 p.m. Soup shops, fair game though. Burger joints, go for it. Pizza, yeah, all day long. Sandwich shops, no bueno. No, no good. Well, welcome. Hey, if you're new and, and we, we would consider you a guest, before I get into this, we're gonna talk about rules. Yay, yay. Yay, rules. Uh, we're going to talk about that, but I want everyone, especially if you're brand new, to, to know that, that we are a church that gathers in multiple locations. Why that is important for me to make sure you know that is because it's important for anyone and everyone to know who Jesus is. And so you and I have to be intentional, sacrificial, and we have to just flat out make sure that wherever people live, wherever they're going, that there's a location available where they could actually go to that location and hear about Jesus. In fact, this weekend, there will be one in the prison, the local prison here in Rapid City, which I think is absolutely awesome. If you've never been there, well, good for you. Uh, the guys there that I've met, uh, it's brave. It requires bravery to go to church in prison. So fellas, those of you who are watching, I'm, I'm glad you're there. There's a location on the east side of Rapid City. If you live on the east side or somewhere out there, you're like, what in the world? Yep, it's there. And the west side. So I hope you know wherever you are. Well, one, I hope you know where you're at. Two, I hope you know it's a good thing to be a part of a church that values anyone and everyone. To do at 
do justice, I guess, with rules, I need to ask your, well, just for you to raise your hands for a second. Don't raise your hand yet. Who, who has house rules? Like in your home, you got house rules. Just curious. Okay. Some of you might want to adopt the idea. <laughs> house rules. I don't know if you grew up with house rules. I did. In our, in our house, we have house rules. Uh, some of them are obvious, like don't lie. Uh, uh, that's one we, we try to make sure uh, gets uh, put into the brain, especially the age of four and five years old. But don't lie, right? Don't lie. But there's other ones that you might think I'm a bit legalistic on. I thought I'd share them with you just so you can make fun of me and know that my kids live a rough life. Um, only one of our kids has like a phone right now, and, and they're not allowed to have a phone in the room. They're not even allowed to have TV or any sort of device, any sort of access to the other world, the outer world. They love us for it. <laughs> According to the information I've been given, every single kid in America has one. That's what they tell me. I don't think they're giving me accurate information. But we actually have a rule where you have to park your device uh, at a certain time at night. Uh, and I think it's just a house rule. Uh, you have to clean up after yourself. We have not won that in our home yet. In our home, it's regular that there's cabinet doors still open. Probably right now. Someone got in there, didn't close it. I don't know what the difficulty is. Sorry, I'm just ranting. I don't know why it's so tough to close the fridge after you open it up. Anyways, maybe you don't have house rules. You probably have school rules or work rules where if you don't show up to work on time, someone uh, tells you about it. Uh, in school, you typically had to turn in certain assignments based on requirements from the teacher who said, here's the rules to this assignment. And had even that included a due date. Most of us are familiar with rules. You know it. And most of us hate the conversation. Frankly, I hate it. I hate preaching on it. I hate talking about it. Can we just all admit that talking about rules stinks? It's not fun. However, we all, we have rules because we have choices. And that's why we have to talk about it. Because you and I, did you know this? Did you know that you and I will make different choices off and on? I know. You came, you came to church to hear that. You, you and I will look at something, look at an option, look at an experience, look at a moment, and, and you might make a different choice than I do. If, if you work with people, you're like, uh-huh. In a home, you're like, uh-huh. In a romantic relationship, you quickly learn that you are not exactly the same at all. You and I, we make choices. Choices are good. Uh, can you, a life without choices is, is frankly miserable. Choices are a big deal. But that's not even the core of it. It's not the heart of it. The heart of it is we need rules because we have a will of our own. And that's good, but bad. We all have a will of our own. Now, some of us are not as... Uh, strong-willed, I might say, like, like where it's crazy. But we all have a will of our own. We all have, a, have this moment where, where you go your own way because maybe you say, this is the better way. Or maybe you're like, no, this isn't the better way. This is just the way I want to go. We all have a will of our own, which means in life, there's got to be some rules and someone's got to make them. And that's where you and I get in a bit of attention because you and I elect people. 
to make rules. And then we enforce them. You see the tension in life? Not just about the rules, but who enforces them. But, but the mess of it is, is you and I are born with the will of our own, and that will of our own will go, will go, let's just say crazy sometimes. And I find it fascinating when Jesus was asked, hey, we don't, we don't know really how to pray. How would you like us to pray? Does it not fascinate you that Pretty much, the Lord's prayer opens up this way. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me confess something on our behalf, okay? Every one of us struggles, struggles with our own will. I have talked recently only for the sake of accountability. I hate telling you this. I have talked recently uh, about my attempt to get healthier. I'm 40, okay? And at 40, I just thought things would be a little bit different, all right? When I was 20, I'm like, I'm going to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but in the good sense at 40, and that, that didn't play out. Uh, and so I've been trying to be healthier. I've talked about this over and over and over. And, and one of the ways is I, I actually... I actually hired a buddy, Willie Stephen. He started a new business where he helps people get stronger and healthier. And I was like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay you to help me because that's the, that's the last option I got. Uh, because I don't know if you've ever signed up for a gym membership in a, about a month, maybe. Uh, and so I was like, I don't want that to happen anymore. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to do this. And, and one of the first assignments he gave me, he's like, all right, David, I want you to write down what you eat. I'm like, no, huh, huh. I quit. You're fired. I don't know if you've ever done that. If you've ever written down what you eat, some of you are like, ooh, I would love to do that. Guess what? Who doesn't? I don't want to do that. Now, at first you might think, oh, writing down what you eat, oh, no, this is going to be miserable. But actually, for my personality, I'm like, oh, so it's time to change right now before I start writing this stuff down. I think that was his motive. So I started writing day one. Day one. I wake up and I, I make myself a healthy breakfast. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm doing so well. It's been an hour. Awesome. <laughs> then I went through the after, afternoon. I had a great lunch. For lunch, I had a salad. Come on. I had a salad with even healthy dressing on it. Some of you, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I, was, I was kicking butt is what I was doing, okay? I was writing this down. I, went away, I would write it down. I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to show Willie this. He's going to be so proud. Went through even the evening, just dominating this assignment. I ate healthy all day long. It's awesome. 9.30 p.m. I don't know what you're doing at 9.30 p.m. I had actually already preached that day. I was, I was tired. 9.30 p.m., I get a text. Now, I'm a, I'm a pastor, so I, I, I look at those texts. I'm like, you know, someone could be, and, and there was actually someone <laughs> at my front door. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, you, I mean, the, can, I, can I come down to my front door? Y yeah. I go down to my front door, and I know it's a friend of mine. I open up the front door, and they're in his hands. <clears throat> Is a dessert from the Alpine Inn. If I had known, I would have brought my gun with me, but 
<clears throat> and it's, it, was my, it was my favorite. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to the Alpine Inn. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. But, but, but there's a little, little, little slice of heaven uh, where, where you and I will go have a meal. And the meal, like, I don't care. Just get to the dessert. I'm just going to eat this so you start asking me what do I want for dessert. And, and there's actually a particular uh, dessert called the Napoleon that, that when I go, I'm like, I've already, I don't look at the dessert menu. I already know what I want and the whole agenda of going to this place. And my friend knew this. And at 9.30 p.m., I have dominated the day. I have, I can't wait to tell Willie, I'm awesome, at least for one day. So my friend says, I got this for you. I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Brought it inside. I'm like, I'm gonna go put it in the fridge. If I put it away, out of sight, out of mind. So I do, I put it in the fridge. I go upstairs, Katie was like, what was that? I told her, and she's like, why don't you eat it? I'm like, stop talking, don't. <laughs> I wake up the next day, and it was like, from the moment I woke up, there was David. <laughs> I'm in the fridge. <laughs> I get up and, and, and he started eating healthy. Don't, don't listen, don't listen, don't listen, don't listen, don't listen. And, and, and eventually, I make it to where I, lunch, Lunch is awesome. I eat healthy. I mean, things are going well. I'm writing this stuff down, starting to feel proud about myself. And then I sat down to watch football approximately 20 feet away from the refrigerator. David. I'm not exactly sure what happened in the next 60 seconds. I just know that I had an empty thing. I had eaten it, I think. But I don't remember the moments. I just know that it was in my stomach. I'm like, that was amazing. Oh, no. I have to tell Willie. I texted him right away. I'm not going to tell you what he said. But anyways, uh, you know what was amazing? That then led me to eating bad the rest of the day. Do you not find it fascinating when you and I wake up, maybe with a day, and I go, you know what? I'm gonna make good choices today. And maybe you do. And then some evil human being shows up at your front step. (laughs) Isn't that the case? Where you're like, I'm gonna make good choices. But then all of a sudden, you find yourself making a choice. You're like, I, I had decided not to do this. I think this puts on the table a conversation you and I have to have about rules and who rules our life. How do we control our will? Because you and I could want it. And some of you are you're brilliant at this. But can I say in certain areas? Sometimes, physically, we are like the perfect specimen of a human being, but relationship things are falling apart. You ever? Or maybe your relationships are awesome, but you don't eat like you ought to. Or, or maybe all that's t- together for you, but your finances are a mess. Do you see? Isn't it fascinating for us that we usually have this area in our life where our will is out of control? And I think it's a spiritual conversation. What I have learned even in trying to get healthier, it's a spiritual thing for me. 
Because God put me in charge of children. He gave me an incredible wife and an awesome church, and I want to stay around for a long time. I think it's a spiritual conversation. And for you, you got something in your life, I would imagine, where your will, your will, is dominating. And so Jesus, do you know he taught us how to control our will? You're going to be familiar with it when I read it to you. You might, uh. But it's incredible. It's incredibly important you and I get this. Here's, here's what he taught about controlling our will. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is, this is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, most of us are familiar. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Love, love God, love others, right? We, we get this. We know that. Here's what I would tell you is that was Jesus teaching us. Not just, hey, you want some rules and we're going to boil it down, which is cool. I mean, anyone who says we're going to have fewer rules, you're like, I want to be on your team, Right? but I think he was giving us powerful direction on how to live life, on how to actually function in life where it's fulfilling and it's just awesome. May, may have some problems and issues, that's normal, that's just how life plays out, but how do we walk life the way that we're supposed to? I think he gave us instructions here and don't miss the order. He first said that uh, we're supposed to love God. And I thought, well, what was he getting at? How would we understand what he's saying? Simple. God is the boss. That's what he's saying. If you want to actually have control in your life and to stay on the road, right? Not go off the cliff. But if you want to stay on the road, God said, all right, here's how you do it. You recognize that God is the boss. But you and I wake up going, I can't wait to be the boss today. And we have for years. God is the boss. Even some of you right now might be wrestling with it, but like, that sounds mean. No, 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 no. Someone's the boss, and I would tell you God is the boss, and that's what God said. And how do you actually live life in a controlled way, a fruitful way, a fulfilling way? God is the boss. You recognize that. You wake up, and you acknowledge it all day long, imperfectly, but you go after it. Let me show you, let me show you more in the Bible. But seek first, first, his kingdom. His. I wish it said your own personal kingdom. Go after that first. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Here's what I would say. If you don't do that, if you think you should be your own boss, hmm? therefore do not worry about tomorrow. In other words, I think that if you and I choose anyone other than God, worry says, hello, I'm going to live with you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. If God is your boss, each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Preach it. If you want to live a life that's fulfilling, where you don't veer off the road because you went after your own will, and your own will lied to you, and you're like, oh, I shouldn't have gone after that, God is the boss. And you and I have been going after this and struggling with this since the day we were born. Let me show you something I didn't come up with on my own. Stages of maturity. I reworded it just because I think it's fun, but I just thought this would help us. Stages of maturity. This is real. We start off, you aren't the best boss. That's what you and I are supposed to learn. If you're like, when was I supposed to learn that? I'm sorry to tell you, zero to five years old. If you're a parent, 
You're like, how do I raise this kid? From zero to five, you're, you're helping them understand they're not the boss. Parents, let me help you a little bit. Um, uh, you are in that relationship. But then eventually, after, after your zero to five-year-old recognizes, okay, 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 you're, you're the boss, then, then you have rules. That's the next stage of maturity of where, okay, you've got rules now. I mean, seriously, you tell two-year-old rules, who cares if you tell them rules? They're just going to look at you all cute. Or maybe that's not a two. Maybe it's a little bit pre-two. You have rules, and you're supposed to follow those rules. In fact, we, in our stage of life right now, we've got a couple of our kids, and in the, like, here's the rules, here's the rules, here's the rules. We're the boss, here's the rules. If you mature even beyond that, self-control rather than rules. We have a teenager in our home. <laughs> We're trying to help our teenager learn the value of self-control to where we can be a lot more loose on the rules. It's fascinating. This is good for parenting. If you're, if you're a parent, you, you better be writing this down. But this is also beyond parenting. We all would admit it. Do you see how critical the first stage is? You aren't the best boss. In fact, I would tell you, if you don't learn this, then you can't mature. You can't get, because you're just going to be seeking after all that you want and craving it all that you want and going after it all that you want and falling on your face, all that you don't want. You aren't the best boss. In fact, here, even in our homes, if you don't teach this, then your kids aren't going to respect you. And if you don't enforce rules, you know what? They're going to make up their own, and it's going to be a list that's really short. And here's the tragedy. Some of us as parents aren't establishing that we're the boss in the home, and there are no rules. So when they leave our our home, they have no self-control. And if you want to know, like, oh, is, is that the worst? No. Because then as a parent, you'll feel like a failure, and I don't want you to ever feel that way. Meanwhile, God said, God said, you know what one of the most pivotal decisions you can ever make in your life, the decision that will keep you on the road? God is the boss. If you want to know what I'm trying to train our kids to understand, is sure, they're going to have moments they want to be the boss, but God is the best boss. It works the same for my marriage. It works the same for you and I. It works the same for any church. I'm telling you, God is the boss. That's the best option. You and I are not the best boss. And if you wake up, if you wake up, maybe not going, you don't love it. I'm not asking you to love it. I don't love it. There's lots of days I don't love it. But it's the best. But also, this is lopsided still. You remember, in order to control our wills, Jesus is like, you know, you got to love God with everything you've got, everything you've got. In other words, God is the boss. But you remember there's a second part, a second commandment that he would say is like equal. We're supposed to love others, right? That's the hard part. So, so let me say, do good for others. Do good for others. That's, it, God is the boss. Do good for others. Let me, let, me, let me show you Bible because the Bible is so profound. For, for you have been called to live in freedom freedom. For those of you who are raised like religion is the lack of freedom, it's not. Jesus promises this relationship. You've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. It's what most of us do. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. To serve one another in love. If you if you want to see not just as you, most of us are like, yes, that's the way the world should be. Right? Love, love, we should love people more. 
right? But the tragedy is not just in not loving other people. Do you understand what happens when you do good for another person? Look, look what the Bible says. Look what Jesus said. He will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. So when, when you and I refuse to do good for another person, when you and I refuse to actually love another individual, for whatever reason you're making the choice, whatever reason you're choosing not to forgive, to serve, to help, to be involved with them, to meet a need, when you and I say, no, I won't do that, I'm aware of it, but I won't do that. According to Jesus, you are refusing to love God. They're linked. Jesus, in his kindness, I think, said, hey, let me sum it all. And they're, they're linked. Love God, love others. God is the boss. Do good for other people. Now let's go after something. To be good at doing good. We must be consistent. And I think this is where the breakdown is. I think many of us, can we, can we have moments where we're like, yeah, this moment, you're like, I, I did this. And it was awesome. Maybe it was love week for you. You're like, you helped with love week. You did this thing and that was awesome. But, but I wonder for some of us, was that the last time you did good for someone? Intentionally, sacrificially? Maybe it was you, you were at work and, and you noticed a coworker was struggling and and you helped. Maybe it was another student at school, and in this moment you helped. But, but many of us, the moments that we're doing good, they're, they're far separated. I don't know if you've ever been there. They're far separated. And you and I have got to learn the value of being consistent. If you want to know how, I can show you what, what we learn. It's pretty neat. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, 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 train yourself. I'll get after this, but train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. Train. In other words, when you decide to follow Jesus, you're like, I'm going to love God and love others. There's some training. And I would argue that it's not necessarily in a classroom. There's some training. You and I have got to be trained. For, for physical training is of some value. That's what I'm telling my trainer. I'm like, this is only limited value here. Um, <laughs> Let's stop right now. No, no, no. It's, it's of some value, okay? But godliness, loving God and others, has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Many of us are, many of us are trying to do good. We're trying to do good. We're, we're trying to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, but, but we're trying. And, and trying has this, has this quitting thing behind it. I don't know if you've ever tried. I've tried to get healthy. I've lost count. I'm not going to count. It's gonna, just going to make me feel bad. You probably have tried to do something. You're like, I'm going to try this today. And you did it. You dabbled in it. You was like, okay. But, but it wasn't the way it should be. Are, are, are you trying to love God and love others? Listen, or are you training to love God and love others? What is the difference? What is the difference? Well, let me tell you a story. Our oldest, Hayden, uh, since he was a little kid, I'll just confess to you right now, it was kind of annoying in the car. <laughs> he would sit in the car and just tap. He always had a bead in his head, always. Wondered, 
how do we kind of put that into something? Well, eventually he's like, hey, we were at church and he's like, hey, can I mess around on the drums? Can I play on the drums? I'm like, I'm the boss, sure. So I let him play on the drums. It was neat. Then he says, I, I want to play the drums more. Can I have a drum set? No, 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 no. But what we will do, how about, how, about we, how about we sign you up for a lesson or two? So we signed him up for a lesson or two. Went and played drums a little bit. It, it, it didn't go awesome, but we wanted to see what was he going to do with this, right? Is he just going to try? Is he going to train? Did the lessons. He still loved it, still wanted it. Still was like, I can't wait to do this. And so we were like, all right, all right. And then he said, he goes, again, can I have my own drum set? So we're like, yes. But that means you have to start training. This is not going to be a trying thing. Mom and dad do not want to go put a drum set on in, in three months on Craigslist. Half the price and we waste money. And it's like, what in the world? We just, we just, we're just trying stuff. We're like, okay. And we sat down with him. I'm not joking. I mean, it was, it was this like aggressive. Hey, are you willing, if you get a drum set, are you willing to train like each week have a lesson and go after this and do whatever your, your teacher says that you're supposed to do and, and train and train and train and train and train. He's like, yeah. So a few years ago, we got him a, a drum set. And, and he's been playing and playing and practicing and training and training and training. And I asked him, I was like, hey, um, what do you want to do with this? He said, well, I'd like to, I'd like to, I'd like to play on the worship team someday, like with a youth group or something. And now almost on a weekly basis, he plays. Just so, if you don't know Hayden, that's his happy face. (laughs) Just, if you don't know him. That's his focused face, but he's happy. Inside, he's like living his dream, helping lead his, his peers in worship. That's the difference. Many of us, all of us, maybe have tried things here or there, but he's been training. What have you been doing with God and other people? Trying? Off and on? Afraid of commitment, which means you're afraid of consistency. We sat as a team and talked about this sermon. And one of our teammates said this, and I thought it was profound. Trying has an exit door. Training has a finish line. Trying has this, we'll see. This is one time. (laughs) I'm going to go after this a little bit, maybe. Training has goals. Training is like, here's what I want to accomplish. Training has this mindset where your heart is invested in it. Trying, you don't have to have your heart in it. Come on. That's why gyms probably love the influx. January 1st. Everyone wants to get in shape. Everyone wants to try to get in shape, but only some people train to do it, meaning consistency, consistency, consistency. I love what a Navy SEAL said. I mean, Navy SEALs, they're... They're borderline the most intense people, right? 
The more you sweat in training, the less you bleed in combat. What if this is true for life? What if this is a way for you and I to avoid unnecessary collapses in our life? What if, what if some of the pain that you and I have experienced wasn't like absolutely necessary, something you and I could have avoided? What if, what if, how awesome would that be? Are you being consistent? Consistency shows that you are training. How often are you loving God? How much are you loving God? How often are you serving other people and they're linked? Don't forget they're linked. I like what Philippians says. It's so cool. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Ha, so tough. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not look into your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Loving God, loving others, helps us control our will. I thought, like, well, what's some stories I could tell you about, about doing good for other people? What's a way to actually example? Let's put this on the table. Let's look at a good example. And I was like, well, I can tell you stories, but, but I would be telling you secondhand. So get your hands out. And I want you to applaud our kids pastor, uh, Mandy Smith, as we welcome her to the stage. Mandy and, I were, Mandy and I were talking, and she was telling me there's a couple of stories that just about people doing good. I thought you and I could be encouraged by this and just kind of have a little bit in our soul. Like, like are there people anymore? Because the news won't tell you, but are there people doing good? Yes, and they're doing good in and through this church. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm just going to let her tell you. So you, you tell them. Well, thank you. Um, we recently switched to a new curriculum in our elementary program, and one of the focuses is that we are really prioritizing small groups. So just like us for adults, when we prioritize small groups and get people in our lives and um, next to us, we want to do that same thing for kids so that they can go and have a safe place where they can get challenged and also just ask questions and be curious about their faith. So we've had so many cool stories come out of this, but last week um, in our fourth and fifth grade room, we, um, the teacher asked, hey, does anybody know who wrote the book of 2 Corinthians? And a few kids raised their hand and one of them shouted out Paul. And then another girl, very brave, said, I've actually never read the Bible before. And I was just so amazed that, one, she didn't have any shame in what she didn't know. But then the teacher equally was like, okay, well, let's read it together. And he just dove into it together. And he's like, okay, so there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. And the New Testament is starting with Jesus' life. And it's all a pursuit about God going after us. And with that is he didn't care what he didn't know. He just shared what he knew. Um, and then we had another story. I'm in a small group on Monday nights, and we're talking about parenting, and it was just me and another mom, and we were waiting for everybody else to get there, and being the new kids pastor, I kind of took it upon myself to just to see, because I knew she had kids in the kids ministry, and I said, do you ever notice that um, there's a deficit in the kids ministry that we need help? And she's like, what? You do? And I was like, yeah, we do, every week. And she said, really? Because it always just looks like you guys have it all together, and I said, we really don't. Um, we try really hard, and we do it the best that we can, and our teachers are amazing. But on a monthly basis, we have up to 180 spots in our kids' ministry where we need to fill in so that we can be fully functioning and fully running. So every teacher has, or every class has two rooms. And she was just amazed, and she's like, sign me up. Sign me up. And so she joined our check-in team. Um, and so there's just so many different areas that you can serve within kids that you may be thinking, I can't do that. But God's put something in you, and you just have to do something with it. So at this church, our kids' ministry is not a babysitting system. I know some of us right now are going, but it, you're loving that part. 
but all of us would agree the next generation needs to know who Jesus is. And I would tell you, if you're like, this seems like a shameless plug, you are perceptive. Here, because here's, if you don't know what you need to know about the Bible, why don't you sit amongst some kids as, as they learn? And I think one of the best investments, if not the best investment a church can ever make, is in the next generation. So here's the deal. You now have met our kids pastor. So now you know who to go talk to to sign up to be a part of the kids ministry. If you don't sign up, I'm going to call you over. No, I'm just kidding. I will probably try and track you down in the lobby, okay. though. That's good. But I just, I wanted to put on the table, if you're like, I want to do good, but I'm not sure where to do good. I think we all can land on teaching kids who Jesus is. If you're like, I don't know what to teach. Okay, cool. Most people don't know when they start, but you can help in some way. So uh, I think we can give Mandy another round of applause as a, hey, we're going to sign up too. Awesome. Thanks, Mandy. <laughs> There, there are, of course, a tons, 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 tons of ways to do good for others. But I want you to see the connection that when you do good for another person, for the glory of God, you are taking the summary of the rules of, of, of living for Jesus Christ. You're taking them and you're meshing them together. And you and I have got to be far more consistent about this. So for those of you who are afraid of commitment, I understand but I urge you to rule your will. If you've forgotten already, I thought we would have a summary. <laughs> God is the boss. Do good for others. If you want to stay on the road of life and thrive and live a fulfilled life, if you want to know, like, how do I follow Jesus? God is the boss. Do good for others. Repeat every day as much as possible, and you will find yourself changing the world following Jesus, and I think living the life God designed you to live. And so, if you think religion's full of rules, now you know that's not the truth. It's full of relationship. I urge you to get involved, whether through the church or a nonprofit or something, or maybe just start at work and help people do good with God being your boss. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. God, it, I never lose the, how critical it is to choose you as our boss. Never lose the value of you leading us, your will being priority, you being a part of, of, of our need for wisdom and discernment and strength and peace and joy that, that you are uh, our God who loves us. I just... It's incredible. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you have never, if you have never chosen to follow God, he's never been your boss. He may have been a part of some religion you were a part of, but he's never been your boss. But you're ready, you're ready to choose him as your boss. Let me, let me help you just, just privately speak this to God. God, I, I choose you as my boss. I Take, take control, take charge. I surrender my will and I pick up yours. I follow you. I choose to follow you today. God, would you wash all my sins away? 
remove my shame and brokenness. God, would you restore my soul and help me tomorrow again to wake up and choose you as my boss. I love you, God. And I pray this for all of us, that we would be a kind of people, kind of people that would live with your will in mind. Thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for teaching us what we need to be taught and just know we think you're awesome. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.